Welcome to Diplomacy, the podcast for communications in mergers and acquisitions, brought to you by Corporate Diplomat. With our guests, we will discuss how the financial, economic, political and social context can actually impact the value created by a transaction. My name is Louis de Schallemer, and I will be your host. Cédric Pirard, welcome to Diplomacy, a podcast dedicated to mergers and acquisitions in Europe. And thank you for joining us today. You are the CEO of FEC, a company providing CRM solutions, and you're doing that now for uh, over 16 years. Since you have gone through 13 transactions, of which four alone in the last 12 months. So who or what has made the person you are today? Hello, Louis. Uh, I'm glad to be uh, today with you and speaking about m which is uh, what I do for a living for the last 10 years, as you mentioned. So the person who made me, I, I think, of course, my family and kids made me as a, as a human being. And I, I think it's also important to have a good... Um, partner to support you on the private life so you can focus on business and uh, on the business side i uh, i've been blessed honestly to work with a wonderful bunch of entrepreneurs owners of business that we usually acquire and they all helped construct me as a business person because we we had a lot of exchanges at fc we are looking for mna in a really voluntary and aggressive way aggressive probably not the, the, the exact word I want to I wanna say, but we really look for target. And one part of my job is really to contact CEOs and founders of companies and, and see if we can do things together. So all those conversations are pretty interesting with, uh, with people that uh, usually are successful, that delivered a lot of value to the market. And this, uh, this helped my own personality in terms of business to be, to be constructed. So it's, it's mainly about, about with who I worked in the last 10 years. And of course, the team at FEC as well. I mean, we had so much and so many interaction with my own team and we, we were flexible enough to prepare the playbook for integration and for m I was blessed to have people around me that complete, completes me because I, I have a lot of qualities, uh, but I also have, uh, as my wife would say, some defaults or some flaws. And uh, the, the person around me correct those flaws perfectly and um, help me to uh, do, do those kind of transactions at a really high pace. You mentioned, Cedric, that M&A is, is, is part of, of what you do today. So M&A is a way to translate your business strategy. Many businesses are struggling by, they see opportunities or they do M&A, but it's difficult to put the link and, and really translate the business strategy by a transaction. I think you have made a religion out of that. Is that right? We made a religion because we saw inefficiency in the market. Basically, we, as European, you know, we... we have a lot of countries with a lot of CRM vendors as FECs that are local. Uh, you have the German champion, you have the Spanish champion, you have the Portuguese champion, you have the Swedish champion. And in, in Sweden, you, you even have two champions locally. So you have a lot of inefficiency because all those relatively small countries with their local champions, they have to compete with giant American mastodons. 
And having those small or subscale companies serving local clients is good because they're close to the customers in a way. They're speaking the language of the customers, but they can't really keep up the pace of innovation that is needed in, in our sector. And having seen that 10 years ago, roughly, we said, okay, would it make sense to use our national anthem, which is uh, Unity Makes Strength as a Belgian company, and unify all those local champion and build a pan-European champion. I think this is needed for the customers because a lot of customers grow outside their own their own country. They need a player that is close to them, but that is also able to serve them across countries in Europe. So th- this is the opportunity that we saw in the market or the inefficiency that we saw in the market 10 years ago. And considering that and considering that there were a lot of targets or a lot of companies uh, like that, and in our long list now, we have 550 companies, just to give you an idea of the number and the fragmentation of this market, which is crazy. Of course, not every target is interesting. We have a lot of targets that are small startups with um, almost no revenue and no customers and so on and so forth. But among those 550, there is a lot, also a lot of companies that are with a decent size, a decent number of customers, and so on and so forth. And unifying that that market was what we decided to do 10 years ago. And we said, okay, we see a massive opportunity for to consolidate that market. We had a good tool to do that because the tool is extremely, our tool is extremely flexible, meaning that we can integrate a lot of a lot of data. And this is, by the way, one of the secret ingredients we, we have to make a merger work well is we use our own CRM system. We uh, pump the system of the company we acquired into that system and start working together around that tool. That means that tempo in the integration, extreme high speed is what you apply because that's something that we see some integration teams wonder what's the right timing. How do you have, if you're too fast, you're losing out people. If you're too slow, you're losing out efficiencies. So if I understand you well, you have a clear methodology with high speed. Is that how you translate the way? Correct. I, I, I'd like to comment a bit. So we usually do that. We have a playbook that my fantastic team helped me construct because uh, they're much more process-minded than I am and much more military. So we have that playbook that we apply and our ambition is to apply that very, very fast, meaning we don't want to lose time and energy by integrating because every single ounce of energy you put into the integration, you don't put it into the business and it's we are not there to be a non-realistic company. We don't. We are not there to to look ourselves. We are there to serve the customers. And so, therefore, we we want the integration process to be fast, but to be cheap, basically. Not because we are uh, uh, cheap people, but because we don't want to spend money on that. We want to spend money for our customers. Could you do the same process if you were serving a broader product portfolio? Basically, you can do what you said because you have a, the same product port or service portfolio that you are offering. If you were doing different things or serving or addressing, or if you had to address a larger, does that make a difference? 
we have the different product portfolio in the company. We have a CRM product, but we have also a marketing innovation product. Uh, we have a gamification product. So, so it, it's not that like we are one product portfolio company, but we have several. And even if we have several products, we, we like to integrate. So the, the level of synergy that you can reach is, of course, not the same. If, you, if, you, if we acquire a CRM and we have a CRM already, then we can integrate very far. We can even integrate the product together. If we, let's say, buy another product that we don't have, like, let's imagine we buy um, another tool that we don't yet have in the portfolio, we will not integrate the products because it wouldn't make any sense. But we will integrate all the rest, like sales organization, marketing organization, HR organization, and so on and so forth. And, then, and all the rest, we need to integrate fast. When you integrate systems, how much can you still integrate culture? Because obviously, if you have the same service portfolio or a, a combined service portfolio, buying different companies, they all have their own culture. How do you go out to to spread your culture and, and have that culture being integrated? Or what are the challenges you face there or the opportunities you've seen? Integrating the cultures is really hard. Well, depending on the target or the, the, the company you integrate. You have companies that have um, a weak culture. In such case, you come, uh, and, and FEC is a, is a company with an extremely strong culture. I mean, we, we manage basically the company through culture. We, we do not have... Uh, many approvement processes and so on. We have some, of course, but most of the decisions are made by just sticking to our culture and our values. And when we acquire a company that, that is with a weak culture, then it's pretty easy to, to come and we say, okay, we, we'll do it this way. And usually it's relatively fast and it's, it's like an opportunity, as you said, because we, we create a lot of value, give a bit more responsibility to the people and uh, and they usually welcome that uh, in a great way. Now, sometimes there is a strong culture that is not matching our culture. That is quite different because we're different companies, of course. And when you have to integrate another strong culture and there can be only one, you can't have two companies with two culture or, or else then you, you make a kind of holding. And this is not our project. We really want to make an industrial champion and not a bunch of companies. So then we have to integrate the culture. And this is fairly difficult. Usually you have to replace management or a part of the management significant uh, because they're not aligned. You can ask people to change, but often if, if they were in control, they were in charge, they were making all the decisions, it's their own culture, their own personal values, and you, you can't change that. As a leader, well, some might be able to change, but uh, most of them can come. And so in such cases, it's better to split ways and to stop the collaboration with the managers that are bringing that strong culture that is not aligned. You mentioned that you are potentially looking at a market of over 500 companies. So do I understand it correctly that basically your process and to find your target is similar to an investment fund that, that has its funnel. You're looking at opportunities, management presentations, and you're filtering out those that might be really the opportunity following that, that clear process. Question one, is that how you, you find the target? And second, is the cultural assessment part of that filtering process? So to the first part of the question, yes, we are working pretty much as a 
private equity fund would work. Uh, so we have a fund. We have a long list. We have a hot list. We have a, we. I read. I am all day long. <laughs> I receive uh, a few a few of those uh, a week. So we, we are working pretty pretty much in a similar way. The only thing we don't do because we're not a PE, the approval process is a bit uh, more easy. We have an approval process and we have a board and so on and so forth, but it's it's not like an investment committee and another investment committee and it's 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 a bit faster in our own process and of course we are as an industrial player we like to have the or ideal cases we work together with the management and we continue to the, the journey together. But if it doesn't stick, it is not a problem. We we can replace them, or we can we we are not afraid to take the responsibility in in our hands, and that makes us a very different partner, buyer, uh, whatever for for the target, and for for people that want to retire, usually we are better partners because they say, okay, well, I want to retire, we come in and we don't need to find another CEO, or we can really keep the the, the middle management in place and, and and go on with the business. This is the easiest way for those uh, those managers. So, if I understand you properly, what you're really doing here when you're doing your acquisition is pursuing with a clear cut business strategy and acquiring customer portfolio, service portfolio, getting into a market, getting in on board new teams that can help you translate the business strategy. That's really the core of your M&A vision, right? Yes, of course, because we want to unify and to consolidate the markets for us. The, the, the most important is the, 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 the customer portfolio, of course, but also the teams that are in contact with the, with the customers. The teams that are on the floor are for us the most important because they, they are the ones that are closer to the value. Of course, the management is also very important for us and we, we like to make them grow with our tools. But also, and this is a, quite a difference if you compare us to a PE, we don't really absolutely need all the management to stay in place. So if if somebody uh, like the founder or the, the two founders or three founders wants to retire with us, it's it's okay because we, we know how to run the business and we don't we don't need necessarily uh, a CEO in every company we acquire. A CEO role is per se need, uh, not not um, not needed uh, anymore. Of course, we need other roles that are more uh, close to, to customers and so on and so forth. And this is usually what happens is that the, the former owner, either he wants to retire and this is perfectly fine, or he wants to uh, make his role evolve towards uh, more sales uh, focus or more product focus uh, or more uh, whatever uh, kind of function that we have in the group. So, so within the integration process, you do have a very special recipe. Tell us. It's a Part of our DEX program, the DEX program is a deeper employee experience program. Uh, we have a lot of stuff. We organize uh, parties and, and restaurants and uh, museum visits and, uh, and everything like that. But on top of that, we'd like to allow our own staff members to invest in their company. And so every staff member at the FEC, from the receptionist to the CFO or to the CEO, they can, every single one of them can invest in our company with a small discount. Not a big discount, a small discount. And when we acquire a company, the first thing I say to the people we just acquired is, guys, first, you're part of the DEX program, which is great. And last but not least, you can become shareholders of the company. And honestly, it never works from the start, meaning that the first days, the people were just acquired and say, ooh, I'm not sure I'm going to invest in that company. 
Six months later, they see your results, they see the, the processes, they, they are integrated. They say, okay, I want to participate, and they, they then buy our stocks. And one year later, it's, it's even bigger success. I mean, people are investing massively in, in the company after, let's say, one year, uh, roughly. And we propose that program, they can invest uh, twice a year, so in January and June. But for the people that we acquire, they can also do that when they are acquired. Let's say we acquire a company in March, they can invest in March. Uh, and on top of that, they will be able to invest in June and in January. But honestly, the, this creates a big alignment within the team, a big alignment with, um, with the staff, with the shareholders, with the board. It's fantastic. And even with the customers, because our people as a CRM company, we know that uh, the stock value is it's very much related to the customer satisfaction at some point. And so they, they know all that and, uh, and it, it gives a, a great uh, virtuous uh, circle. How do you see that or how have you defined the KPIs for success? I assume that with your clear-cut process, you have a very clear dashboard of how you as a team define success. Yes, correct. Uh, we, we have some a bunch of KPIs, but we add some specific for specific acquisitions. So not every acquisition is the same. It's not the same if we acquire a losing money company or a company that is highly profitable or a high growth company versus a no growth company. So basically we, we have some standard KPIs like the invoicing system must be unified, the CRM must be unified in a few weeks and, and so on and so forth. So we have the standard stuff. But on top of those standard KPIs that we use, there is a uh, room, well, and the, there are some specific KPIs for, let's say we take over a company that is losing 1 million euro per year. Okay, are we okay with this? And the answer is probably no. So we want to transform that business into some profitable business. What's the target? And then the KPI becomes, for instance, the EBTA per month. Or we have a, we acquire a business that is not growing enough. Uh, it's growing, let's say, 10% a year, and the, the organic growth is closer to 25. So we say, how can we bring that business from the 10% uh, to 25% again, or uh, to, be, to be aligned with the, with the group? And so the grow KPI is not really in the set of standard KPI we have for M&A, but in the case of a company that is a slow grower, we, we use that one. So no, there, there is a lot of a uh, lot of KPIs that we're that we are using. It's also very important to to know when you're successful and to know when you're not successful. So you you can learn uh, from that. And uh, if you miss the deadline of unifying the CRM system, for instance, why is that, and how can you improve next time? And this is also one of the really important step in our. Uh, playbook of acquisition is that we the last the last part of the of the playbook is okay what did we go what did go wrong what could we improve what can we do better next time and this is the last step of the of this process but it's a really important one and a really critical one in the integration process you have one of the very specifics which is this body system so in order to help replicate your culture your system the way how you work so this this helping the new people on board to to integrate and to learn about your systems how does that work how do you put that in place can you tell me more about that system I don't know if it is unique, but it is it is a nice one when it works well. And I think you have made it a key element of your integration process. It is indeed a, a key element. And it's not that we, we are using that for 10 years. I think it's pretty recent, but still it's a, it's a system that works very well. 
and so it's a basically it's it's a, it's like you're when when you're at the university we give you a buddy just to overcome the obstacles together and the, the idea of fc is to give you that buddy in another country in another language to be sure that you you get the culture the the tools and you have a you have a go-to person for any question you would have meaning uh, what brand of coffee can i can i buy you go to that buddy and he will tell you i need uh, this new phone is it possible yes or no we go for that uh, that buddy and usually the buddy doesn't really answer directly but it, it just it's just pointing where uh, the guy should or the guy or the girl should look and so it it, it works very well it's a, it's a creating glue and uh, we are even trying to well not not uh, not going <laughs> to be too you know, going to say too much about it but we are even thinking about about having this concept of a, a bit further making people travel and so that we create buddies that are in the same city for a period of time but too soon to tell uh, we are we are working on that concept and it's gonna it's gonna come out next year probably uh q3 when you're talking about success and developing the finances in your process you have explained that there are so many options to finance your investments. So on one hand, you are dealing with your investors, so you have to satisfy them somehow. And at the same time, you explain how you are investing by using a multitude of, of systems and, and tools. What would you add there? Or what can we learn from you there? It's a complex game. Therefore, I, I deserve my salary, I guess. Because it- from the one hand, you have investors that, that want to invest money in your company. And, uh, and for for the current stakeholder, for the founders, but also for, we have a lot of employees that are shareholders. For the company as, as such, getting equity money is probably the, the highest ranked source of capital uh, because it costs so much. And so, so you have the investors that, that wants to deploy more capital uh, because you're, if you have, if you have a running uh, cool business that is, uh, getting results and increasing and, and, and if you develop right, then every investor will want to deploy more capital in your company. Of course, you as a stakeholder of that company, you would rather access cheap capital like bank loans that are uh, well, way cheaper than equity, if you want my opinion. Well, at least if you're successful, if, if, you're, if you're in the decreasing business, it's, it's a whole different story. But in our case, I mean, Bank money is cheap, investor money is expensive, and uh, and everything in between is a bit less cheap, a bit more expensive, and, uh, and so on. But and the whole game is about to to take the right source of finance at the right time, and, uh, and not taking equity money when when it's okay to work with banks, or to with vendor loans or with yeah. I, I, if you if you have a M&A podcast, I mean, the, the, the source of financing uh, are, are pretty well known. But in all way, it's a, it's always uh, bank money, then uh, vendor money, then uh, debt funds, and then and then equity in that hierarchy. How difficult is it to negotiate with you in the acquisition process? So had number of guests, and they're very particular ideas so so how difficult what is important in the negotiation because sometimes people say yeah it doesn't matter if it is a little bit more money or less money if if the concept in any way nobody cares afterwards because what you're really looking after is how after the integration and the synergies you can grow 
So paying a little bit more or paying a little bit less. But at the same time, I have people who have a very clear-cut idea and saying, that's what I have to pay. How do you deal the negotiation? And I have people who say, okay, that may be also important not to lose face. So for whom the human aspect in the negotiation is extremely important in order to create a spirit of collaboration afterwards, because if you clash during the negotiation and the discussion, it makes things more difficult afterwards. What is your experience there? Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting question because it's a negotiation. Negotiation is always a complex story, right? And it's even more complex when you speak with founders that, that build their company for like 20 years because it's, it's money, of course, but it's also very emotional. And as we are doing this for a living and that we, we do this on a weekly basis and we, we've done so many and uh, we, we can't afford to pay whatever price that is requested. So we have a really clear formula that uh, evaluates a company and on different stuff, basically the grow, the turnover, the recurring turnover, uh, a set of a set of KPIs that we are looking at, and uh, we have a, a kind of secret formula, but it's, it's not that secret. It's rather simple, but still, it gives us a guidance on what's the value of the business for us. And of course, it's um, never accepted as such by the sellers. And then we, yeah, we we need to to find to to fill in the gap. Because uh, especially founders, once again, their baby worth uh, millions and millions, and they, they they only see the opportunity and they say, "Yeah, you're going to make so much, you're going to become so rich." But then again, they usually try to make you pay for the synergies that we have to uh, harvest ourselves. This is also some principle that we don't want. We say, "Okay, if we bring on the synergies, we don't pay twice. We bring on the the, the know-how or the market or whatever they they miss." So we don't want to pay that price. So this is, um, well, the first the first part of answer to your question is we have a kind of formula that we use. And then it's never accepted or it's, it's always, it, it, it is always refused by the, by the sellers. But then we, we analyze the gap. If the gap is reasonable, we speak with normal human beings that, that understands the value of things. And then we, then we try to, to cover that gap, either by increasing a bit the price or putting earnouts on that. Uh, earnouts is also quite a, a good tool. We use it uh, extensively, of course, not in a long period. I think that the, the longest earnout we have is 20 months, something like that. We, we really like people to be aligned as fast as possible. And having earnouts is usually, if we are designing earnouts in a good way so that uh, they're really aligned with our business, but even when you do that, there is always things that you didn't plan originally, and that makes it quite difficult in the real life. And and so to avoid the tensions you were referring to, I think it's it's healthy, but to have too big earnouts, and also to have it really short. But then, yeah, there's a lot of human touch. I mean, uh, a lot of people told me we were speaking about millions. And uh, we had a delay with the banks and, and they still signed. And they, they told me, yeah, I signed because you're there and because I trust you. And, uh, and that's it. So it's really important to create a lot of trust person, on a personal level. I, I think in, in, in M&A business as such, you, you need to be a trustable uh, somebody. I mean, if, if, you, if people do not trust you or if you screw your uh, your targets, you'll be out of business pretty soon. So, uh, but but. Constructing trust on the, on the personal level is important and negotiating, yeah, how we 
are we hard to negotiate it with? Uh, I don't think so because I have a lot of empathy for founders. Of course, I, I co-founded the company. I always try to pay the price they want, but at some point I said, hey guys, it's not possible. Uh, we have our formula, you, you're, you're not serious. And this is why. And uh, this is also how, how you build trust. And uh, we're pretty fast also to to speak about pricing because because of the of, of the formula we can we can give some guidance pretty early into the process and some some guys says, says to okay, okay no it's not it's not at all what we want you're crazy we we twice as much and we said okay have a successful process and then uh, one year later we speak again and uh, and then maybe it's a, it's a good price that we propose after all so we are not very hard to negotiate with uh, but but sometimes we just walk away because it's uh, the difference is too, it's too too big and we don't want to lose our time. Cédric, I think what you're translating here is is kind of that M&A is, an, is a science. And you mentioned playbooks, clear processes, clear integration process, the integration of your CRM systems, the integration of body pairing systems. And at the same time, it's an art. <laughs> At the same time, you mentioned the element of trust. You mentioned the element of empathy. And uh, you mentioned the element of, of good business sense in order to be successful as an entrepreneur. And if I sum up our conversation, I think you started with something which maybe I haven't expressed that longly, but, but in the pieces, the articles that are written about you and what you write about your own, you have a very clear vision of where you want to drive your business as a CEO. And probably that is what, what comes back as a, as a red line throughout your entire processes and the way how you deal with your teams across the, the different transactions. If I give you the last word with a tip for our audience, what would be kind of the one thing you would say to our audience on on M&A, the one good tip that we can get from you, Cedric? The last tip or the last word, I, it's, it's hard to summarize, but I, I'd say if you want to go in M&A, you should organize yourself and you should, you should be prepared to do that. And I think one of the reasons we are successful is because, as you said, my vision is shared among the company and everybody is agreeing that it's a good way to go. It's not the only way to go, but it's a, it's a good way to go. And the whole company thinks since 10 years ago on how we can organize ourselves to welcome companies, extra companies, how we can organize ourselves to be a good and performant acquirer. And I think if you're not organizing, not yourself as a CEO, of course, but also the whole organization is not prepared, then, you're, then you have a hard time doing a, doing a great acquisition. Uh, and if you see doing an acquisition is a is a no event we have just one 15 minutes briefing from me to our company full stop and everybody goes on goes on with their their daily lives so be prepared but not only you must be prepared your organization must be pre prepared wonderful Titrik. thank you very much for taking the time to join us on diplomacy today thank you for this conversation my pleasure i i really learned a lot again I'm looking forward to, to meeting you in person at some stage around a good coffee, which you have a special brand that we can go to and looking forward to, to that. Thank you, Cedric. 
it would be my pleasure to have you drinking coffee with, uh, within one of our offices. Thank you, Louis. Wonderful. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Diplomacy. Please explore our website www.corporate-diplomat.com or our LinkedIn page. I hope you have enjoyed. Feel free to subscribe and hit the follow button. Have a great day.